Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go. Welcome to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups bringing the province together. 936-6262 is our text line. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. We welcome your texts. We welcome your phone calls, too. Talking rider football, all things sports. And we do that at 936-6262 or 1-866-767-0620. NHL tonight, Vancouver 2-0 after they knocked off my Oilers in back-to-back games at 1-1 Philadelphia. Le Montreal Canadien, one win and one... Um, Loser point taking on the Minnesota Wild, who are one and one. Tampa's at Buffalo. Buffalo's yet to win their own two. Tampa's one and two. The Islanders entertaining the Arizona Coyotes. The Edmonton Oilers 0 and two at Nashville in the return of Matthias Ekholm to Nashville, longtime defenseman, of course, playing with the Oilers. We'll talk to Bob Stoffert, 435 color commentator on the Oilers radio network. We'll also talk NHL hockey with former referee Tim. Peel, who now has his own podcast with Jeremy Roenick called Snipes and Stripes. So we'll talk to him. Uh, LA's at Winnipeg. Uh, Jets have a win. The Kings are winless. They do have a loser point. Seattle's unbeaten at, or uh, sorry, Colorado's unbeaten at 2 and 0. They're at Seattle, still looking for their first win. And Dallas takes on the Vegas Golden Knights. Both of those teams are uh, rolling. Knights are 3 and 0, and Dallas is 1 and 0. All right, uh, Michael Ball here with Sean Kleisinger. Uh, it's the same. Listen, the Chargers have built a brand. Here's the, it cost me twenty bucks and a lot of grief from Luke Molander. I didn't want to bet, but you're kind of forced into betting. You know, one of those ones where oh, you don't really believe in your team. Blah blah blah. Um, I laugh at fans though, fans that are fans of the Riders. Some of them. Fans that are fans of other teams, like the Oilers, like me, I'm a fan, short for fanatic, and you're 0-2 in an 82-game schedule, and the roof is caving in, and it's all over. Pack up the team. I can't believe they're not winning the Stanley Cup. But Charger feds are blaming Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has his O-line. He was running for his life. He's got a broken finger in his left hand. He's got his top receiver out. His other receiver playing way above his head, Keenan Allen, 31. Dude is the reason why this team wins. Like, if they don't have him, they're nothing. They're garbage. Like, they're the worst team in the league. They overpaid for defense. He's had Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley, a D3 coach. Couldn't even get the... <laughs> couldn't even get... Well, he was. He was a D3 coach. Couldn't even get the D coordinator job at my kid's school, the Fighting Sioux back in the day. And he's the head coach of the Chargers. Now, his defense did well till you know, it was, it was really a... Really, um, what the Chargers are built on. They build big leads and they choke. And they have the, they're exciting to watch. Like they, they always play the most exciting game of the uh, week. <laughs> and they always are the team that uh, has the worst loss of the week when they lose. And that definitely was the worst loss of the week. Well, how Terrible. many, how many penalties did the Chargers offense align? Six, six holding. 
six holding and a couple of drives. and a couple of illegal shifts. Oh, the one time it was third and one there, and, yeah, and then uh, it's just stupid. Like, how do you get a holding penalty on a short third and one play like that? Third and one. I know. Hey, by the way, props to that kid, the Canadian Joshua Palmer. Yeah, he's, he's a, looking nice. He's a great receiver. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, how about the Philadelphia Phillies? We're cheering for them because we want an outdoor stadium in the World yeah, Series. Yeah, that's right. They went long in the first game. First inning, it was uh, Kyle Schwarber with his first homer. Then it was on his 31st birthday. He's a dink, but he's a good player. <laughs> you don't like him? Bryce Harper. He goes deep. Uh, and then Born the same year as me. Then Nick Castellanos went deep in the third inning. Talk and, about a dink. That guy is a... Yeah, he's kind of... But he hit a home run. And the Phillies are uh, up one game to none after a 5-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do believe those teams get back at it uh, tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the NLCS is uh, tonight, and the American League has the night off. That's so. right. So they're in Texas. Texas can take a 3 nothing series lead. Arizona at you Philadelphia. See, you see those post-game interviews, though, that, that Nick Cassianos does? Like He's just no, like, rude. He's, he? a, he's rude to reporters. Wow. And he's, he's like... Where's the question at in that? Like, it's just like, come on, you know, there's kids watching to be somewhat of, you yeah. don't need to be a huge role model, but just don't be yeah. an a hole. So, uh, Eagles have signed former uh, all pro wide receiver Julio Jones. Washed. Yeah. So, but he's going there. He's there with another washed guy. Well, he's not washed, but he's AJ Brown. Yeah, AJ Brown. Former teammates Boy, uh, with a- Tennessee. AJ, see, see, there, of all the court, like, if you take. The top 10 quarterbacks. You could find something wrong with each of those guys. Jalen Hurts is a top 10. He's kind of regressed. Uh, Lamar Jackson, can he win you the big game? Eh. Justin Herbert, can he win you the big game? Eh. Joe Burrow, he gets hurt a lot. Like, there's, you could pick out some. I'm not a big uh, fan of the Eagles right now, the way they're playing. Are you? Like, they're good on the O and the D line, but. Well, no, that was a horrible that loss. That was a horrible loss. Weekend. That was an absolute horrible loss. Absolute horrible loss for them. Uh, it looks like. Vernon Adams Jr. says he will. Yeah, he's suiting up. He will likely start against the Calgary Stampeders. And Rick Campbell says if he's not, whatever the hell this means, if he's not medically compromised, he will play. Uh, translation Dane Evans is going to play quarterback for he's the BC not, Lions. Yeah, and weird. Vernon Adams will be in tow. So it's pretty simple. If the Rough Riders, when they take to the field on. On a Saturday, they'll know basically if they can clinch or not. Because if Calgary loses to BC, all the Riders got to do is win, and they're in. So the best case scenario for the Riders, and it's been that way for a couple of weeks, but the best case scenario is BC beats Calgary because BC will still have hope to finish first with a win, at least for a day. So they beat Calgary, and then we play Toronto. Now the key is, what will Toronto dress? Will they dress their full roster? Will they just play the guys for part of it? I would suspect Toronto goes a little bit in this game and a little bit in the last game against Ottawa. That's what I think will happen because you don't want your guys rested for like three weeks. So whether they play them this week and not against Ottawa, or they play them a bit of this week and a bit against Ottawa. How do you think that's going to go? I don't know. All I'm thinking about is we can go into the game on Saturday afternoon thinking to ourselves this could be the last Ryder game of the season as well. If Calgary beats BC and the Riders lose versus the Argonauts, the Ryder season's over. Well, let's be honest. And, let's and be- that's a very realistic scenario, too. If what? Calgary beats BC? If Calgary beats BC and they get on Reggie Friday ba- night, and they get Reggie Bagleton back, And the too. Riders lose to Toronto, the season's over for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 
And it could be the last. Well, it'll be the. It could be the last time as they take the field. Like I said with Co- with Coach Dickinson yesterday, that they take the field zinger and they. Uh, this will be the last time they're together as a team. They'll yeah. never be on the same team as these guys again. And a lot is up in the air. Like when you have something as bad as what's happened the last two years, is Trevor Harris back? Now I would think Trevor Harris should come back. I think he has some years left in the tank. They were three and one when he was the starting quarterback with a new regime. Everything's up in the air, and he he knows that he's been around a long time. Yeah, there's a lot you on at, the line. You look, you look at a guy like my friend, our friend, good football player Jaden Dalkey. Let's use him as an example. He's going into the third year of a three-year contract, but he was picked by this regime. He wasn't picked by a new guy. Suppose a new guy comes and says, "Ah, we'll make a change." I don't think that'll be the case because you need good Canadians. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's everything's up in the air. It's very uncertain. So you got to play like your hair's on fire. And, and get into the playoffs. This could be the last time Craig Dickinson ever coaches the Saskatchewan Rough Riders again just, as a head coach. Just think about it, Ballsy, going into the booth on Saturday. Think it to yourself. This is in the case if the Stamps beat the Lions on Friday night. Like, it would be an elimination game for the Rough Riders. It's a playoff game. Yeah. Like, if they don't win it, the season's over. If the Riders do beat the Argos, then they, all the Riders would have to do is hope that uh, the Stamps lose to the Bombers next week. Yeah, I... I, I it is a playoff game, but last week was a playoff game. The week before had playoff implications. They just haven't done it. Well, really, like Saturday is like a true like elimination game when it comes down to it. If you know the the Stamps win, yeah, no, and I agree, and and I expect a good, solid performance from the Riders. If the Argos were to dress their entire team and play for sixty minutes, the Riders aren't winning that game. I don't believe. I don't see it. But no. they have an opportunity. Fourteen and two, this team. I have an. They have an opportunity, Zinger. For one game to play above their heads, they did it twice. You could make the argument hey, against BC and Winnipeg. Think about the two games that Toronto has lost this year. The first time Chad Kelly left the game early, and then the second time that they've lost, Chad Kelly didn't play at all. So, like every single time that Chad Kelly starts the game and finishes the game for the Argonauts, they're fourteen and zero. Like they win every single game. Yeah, like now that's that's true, man. Well, Chad Kelly, yeah, Chad Kelly. When he's actually played, they're undefeated. Yeah. Because he got hurt and didn't come back in that Calgary game, and then they yanked him the yeah. other game. And yeah. then versus Winnipeg. And they should have. And that proved right there in a loss that they're even more. It proved even more that they're the best team when yeah. they didn't have him in there because they almost won. Like Cameron Dukes, it won't be a free space in the bingo card when he comes in here. He had Winnipeg up against the ropes. They're going to have to play with everything they got. They're going to have to play for pride. Pride. And think about this. A chance to earn more money. Ooh, it's a chance to money. earn more money. You get an extra game check, an extra playoff bonus. Who wouldn't want that? A free trip to one of the nicest cities in North America, playing in a beautiful indoor stadium so weather won't be a factor, and you get extra money and a chance to play for extra money again. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, just two wins away from going to the Grey Cup. That's the mindset that I would have as a player. Anyway. Win in BC, win in Winnipeg. Come on, gravy bound, baby. I saw that they're already putting the temporary seats in yeah. Tim Hortons Field today. Yeah. Nine, three, There's not many of them, but. 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town. one 667 You can call or 936-6262. Let's talk some football. Let's go. Hey, by the way, I brought this up with Jim Mullen. Um. I've been thinking about this singer. Now it is I love flag football. What Mike Thomas has done here is great. 
it is a worldwide sport. Like, it is a worldwide sport, and that's kind of one of the prerequisites for being an Olympic sport. Baseball and softball, that's the sport. There's no differentiating, right? Football is football. Flag football is like it's an introduction of football. I've played flag football. I've coached flag football. That would be like, well, we're not going to put golf in as an Olympic sport, but we're going to put mini golf in. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of. I'm not big fan. I, upon further review, I don't agree. <laughs> yes. I don't agree with flag football being in the Olympics. I don't. I don't think it should be an Olympic sport. Yeah, that could be a controversial take. I like the league. We have a great league here, but you're you're an Olympian because you did something I did in the park my whole life. Or it's like flag or tag football. Maybe having a version of curling in the Olympics, except the only thing that you do is. Throw a first rock to see how close to the center you can get. Well, no, they, they kind of do that too. They they kind of have, don't they have the mixed doubles in uh, Olympic curling? Yeah, I'm trying to think of a different example. No, because because you, I could see you. I actually think the mixed doubles is harder. I think the mixed doubles is cooler than the actual curling game. So I'm not going to go with that comparison. Or how about like a home run derby? Yeah, home run yeah, derby. Yeah. In, in the Olympics. Yeah, home run derby. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, no, I'm not. I'm not for that at all. No, no. I like it's a great sport. I love it. It's a great introductory sport for parents that are on the fence about their kids playing tackle football. But I'm actually no. Upon further review, eh. maybe if you just look at it as its own separate sport, I think that's what they want you to look at it as. Flag football is different than football. It's just different variant of football. Just like you know, Aussie rules football. This football, you know, rugby football. Nine three six sixty two sixty two. Text or call. I say no to flag football as an Olympic sport. I know that. I just no. It should not be an Olympic sport. It's it's not it's not an Olympic sport. It's a sport that you play in the spring and the fall, and you pull flags and yeah, great. It's a variant of football. You leave it alone. Oh, zingers! So we got one one vote yeah. nine three six sixty two sixty two. The sports cage for Saskatchewan lotteries on six twenty CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. KRM. Welcome back. By the way, I got to bring this up in the Chargers game. So one day this year in a game, they used AI fans, like artificial intelligence fans, to kind of test that for a movie and probably jack up the crowd. May look like there's more people there. They had that. Her name is Marianne, and she was on Pat McAfee's show today saying, no, the NFL didn't pay her. Nobody contacted her. But I guarantee you she's paid by the Chargers. There is no way. Did you see how she was acting when they got stopped or they scored a touchdown? You can find it on YouTube or anywhere. Like, she had to be. I'm a Chargers fan, and I'm not even that invested. Like, she was so phony. Yeah. Phony as the day is long. Well, I call phoniness too. Yeah, when I, saw and that I wouldn't live. put it past the Spanos family, worst owners in football. Just bad. I feel so bad for Justin Herbert. He's going to be like Philip Rivers and Dan Fouts. Just a wasted career. You know who the luckiest <laughs> man in the world is? The luckiest man in the world is Drew Brees because he wrecked his arm and the Chargers decided not to bring him back. He's and then, lucky, huh? then Nick Saban picked Dante Culpepper and he went to New Orleans and won a Super Bowl. He is so 
lucky that he didn't stay in San Diego or he would have wasted his career too. Oh, what a this. The only team in pro football that fires a 14 and 2 coach after oh, the poor season. Marty. And God, God rest, rest his, his soul. soul. <laughs> well, and, but and his son beat the Chargers yesterday, Brian Schottenheimer. He's the OC. The OC with uh, Fat Mike McCarthy. Boy, is he terrible. Did you see that guy at the end of the game? Yeah. At the end of the half. At the end of the half, oh. he didn't call. He had two timeouts, and they stopped the clock thinking he'd stop the clock. He's like, no, 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 run the clock down to three seconds. I want to kick a field goal. You could have gone to the end zone. You're an NFL head coach. The game has passed him by. Oh, Speaking so, of, so oh, many of them. Anyway, just a horrible coach. Here is Jake Dolagala talking after practice. Uh, yeah, it was it was just that it was a it was a great little bonding um, event. Um, had a lot more fun than I thought I would. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the five pin bowling, but um, we made it work. It was it was a good time. What's the focus like now as the team gets up for the final week of the season? Uh, just to do our thing. You know, um, we know we still you know we still got a shot at it. Um, you know, we're gonna focus on ourselves. Um, we're not sure what we're gonna get. You know, from their end, um, I'm not sure if they're going to sit guys or not. Um, so we just got to do our thing and um, just be be ready for anything. Really. Did you pay attention to that Calgary game on Friday. Obviously, what they do will then determine. Yeah, we'll be watching. Yeah, we'll be watching. Will that change anything in terms of your guys' approach? Obviously, it'll change what you guys need to do, but right. just the, the motivation behind. Um, no, I don't think it changes anything. I think, you know, win or lose, like. You know, we still got a shot, but we got to take care of our, our end of the bargain. So, um, yeah, it would be nice, you know, for BC to win, but, um, you know, we'll see. Does the change of pace of going bowling and doing that with the guys help an athlete mentally just when dealing with a losing streak like this? Yeah, it takes your mind off of it for sure. Um, you know, anytime you can get together with, with the guys and your coaching staff uh, outside of the facility, it's, it's always a good time. So, yeah, it helps. Are you guys doing anything different this week to try and, and get out of the skid, to change anything up, anything else up? Not really. We just got to execute. You know, we, we keep talking about it. But, um, you know, we have the players in the building. We got the coaches to get it done. We just got to put it all together, really. Bain is close to 1,000 yards. Emelis isn't far off. Uh, how neat would it be to have a couple, see a couple of receivers go over that on Saturday? It'd be great. We'll get it done. But then what gives you that confidence? Just because I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. Are you looking forward to having at least one, I guess, one more opportunity to play in front of a home crowd this week? Right. Yeah. Um, it's going to be cool. You know, I expect no different from any other game. You know, the fans love us, win, lose, or draw. Um, so we're hoping to get one more win for them. Um, you know, go out on a uh, high note um, as far as being here. So. Yeah, it'd be really nice. Jake Dolagala in conversation with reporters. He's pretty confident they'll get some receivers to 1,000 yards and also confident they'll come up with a win. Sure hope he is right. When we come back, Cougars in the cage, talk women's soccer, our NFL's winners and losers from this last week, and Dante DiCaria teeing up the Pats and the Moose Jaw Warriors before four. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And back with your sports ticker here. It's 331. The Regina Pats will try to make it four wins in a row tonight. Regina is in Moose Jaw. And the Warriors have had the Pats numbers so far this season. Moose Jaw won 4-2 on September 27th and 4-3 on September 30th. Pats and Warriors tonight starting with the pregame show at 635 on 620 CKRM.
Time now for Cougars in the Cage. A weekly look at the sporting scene of the University of Regina. And on this edition of Cougars in the Cage, we're talking U of R women's soccer. They seized the fifth and final Prairie Division postseason berth with a 3-0 road victory over Winnipeg last Sunday. The Cougars dominated possession from the opening kick. It took 12 minutes before getting on the board with a beautiful strike off the left foot of Jessica Merck. Regina continued to pepper Winnipeg goalkeeper Taryn Rabi and broke through again in the 43rd minute. Just seconds after having a goal called back, Peyton End slipped a pass from the goal line into Kirsten Colmel, who chipped it in to put the Cougars up 2-0 heading into the break, and the Cougars finished off the scoring in the late going when Santa Karam struck in the 81st minute, all but sealing the win, and their fifth consecutive trip to the Can West playoffs. So fifth place Regina travels to Edmonton next weekend for a play-in match against Alberta. The Pandas finished with a 4-7-3 record, one point ahead of the Cougars in the final standings. Next Saturday's play-in match will mark the first time the Cougars and Pandas have ever met in the postseason. Regina also traveled to Edmonton for the play-in round back in 2019, but played Victoria at McEwen's home pitch in a neutral site match. And that's Cougars in the cage. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. John Kleisinger, I'm Michael Ball. Halloween's right around the corner. What ca- what's Casper going as? I don't know. It's two weeks from today, though. Yeah. Uh, we're thinking maybe uh, a minion. He likes watching minions. Cool. I hope the weather holds out like this. Kids always get screwed. The weather gets terrible right around Halloween. But like, if you could bottle these last two days, Zinger, this is the best. I love this time of year. The best leaves, time of year. Leaves are still on the trees for the most part. Some are off, obviously. Um, but... You know, 16, 17, 18, no wind. Bugs are at a minimum. We need a couple more frosts to get rid of those maple bugs, which, by the way, can anybody fill me in? I'm, I'm just a dumb radio announcer. What purpose do maple bugs serve, honestly? Food for something, maybe? I don't even know what those ones look like, to be honest well, with like you. Those like those orange ones that are all over the place, oh. crawly. No, Went to the lake at Thanksgiving at... Uh, Jim and Linda's house. It was all over the side of the walls. Gross. Oh, they don't affect me. They can stay around. Anyway. Hey, what year was it when we had a, a quote-unquote black Christmas when there was no snow? It was in the late 90s, I remember. I, My yeah, dad always yeah, brings yeah, it up yeah, with I me. think it was like, nine. I want to say like 98 or something, because yeah. 97 was bad, but I think it was 98 or 99. All right. It's bad. I remember... If, if you know, text us, I remember please. it was about 10 springs ago, or 10 Novembers ago, it snowed. It was like snow. It snowed early, like in October. And farmers hadn't got their crops off yet. And then Ooh. my ex-wife's uncle was back on the field in November because it was like 32 degrees in November. Oh, it's crazy. Early November. But uh, I'm okay with this weather. Um, what else can we tell you about? Let's get to some texts at 936-6262. This from Scott. The text line brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. We're also taking calls right now if you want to call in. Think about this. If the Riders beat Toronto and get into the playoffs, they'll, they will have beaten every team they're likely to face if they make a playoff run. Crazy when you consider how bad the year has gone. 
from Scott. Mm. Now, that's true. Good point. But, I mean, Toronto's going to be dressing or playing some of their B guys. So I, I'm not going to get overly excited if they win, even though if you're on a professional football field, you're a professional. But I will say this. I'll be excited. I still will be excited if the Riders make it to the playoffs. We got this text from a buddy, Dave DeLaForest. Dave says, go Canucks. Shut up, Dave. <laughs> Dave just rubs it in when his team beats my Oilers. And go Riders. Let's get into the playoffs, I hope. Fingers crossed. Me too, Dave. Hey, uh, Keith says it was 97 when there was no snow on the ground. So it's Ballsy's opinion versus Keith's no, opinion. No, impossible. That's impossible. Because I started in radio in... No, 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 no. I could tell you it's. I could tell you that's impossible. That's that's absolutely impossible. Riders just think what what was the weather like when the Riders were in the Grey Cup? No, I'll tell you that's impossible. In '96. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Hold he's on. saying '97. Yeah, was hold, the, on, hold on, hold on, hold right, on. He could right. be right. No, he could be right. No, he's absolutely right. Because in '96 we had a terrible blizzard. Because I was broadcasting the. Uh, the Estevan Bruin games, and I couldn't take the team bus because I had to go to the company Christmas party in Moose Jaw and then have to drive, and it was a terrible drive after that because, yeah, he might be right. Could be 97. It was cold in Edmonton, though. I can tell you that. Yeah. Cold as heck when we got smoked by the Argos. By the way, also the last time a sub-500 rider team went to the playoffs and upset everybody. So, 8 and 10. Uh, way to go. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's on Keith. Let's way go. go. Okay, Keith, I let's, see you. Let's go. Uh, this one from Danny. Danny agrees with Ballsy. Flag football ain't no Olympic sport. I think I put it more eloquently than you, Danny, but I agree with what you're saying, or you agree with me. It is not an Olympic sport. It, it, it shouldn't be an Olympic sport. Come on. It's a, it's a fun sport. It takes talent to play the sport. you got to be an athlete, but it's not a... It, no, no, come on. No. Can no. I go back to Keith quick? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keith says, my baby was born in April, so he remembers for sure there is no Christmas for his uh, baby's first Christmas. No so, snow? No, uh, yeah, no snow. I mean, no, no Christmas? <laughs> was, well, maybe no Christmas, too. The Grinch took away the snow. Keith is not a good father, apparently. <laughs> 97, no, mark it down. No tooth fairy or anything either. Nothing. Hey, Easter banned, Bonnie wasn't seen. Banned everybody, eh, Keith? Way to go, Keith. Uh, this from Anonymous Texter. His word's not mine. Dickie's days are done. When he isn't picking the quarterback for the game Saturday, he's letting his offensive coordinator pick uh, the the uh, quarterback. That's not right. He is too soft, and Dola Gallo won't get the job done. Keep the text coming at 936-6262, powered by the Capital Auto Group. Kate Singer, let's get to some winners and losers from Week 6 in the National Football League. I'm just happy that the Packers can't be yeah. on this because yeah. they didn't play. Winner yes. number one, in my opinion, Jim Schwartz, D coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. He's gone there. They've had some good pieces there, but they got the right coaching out. They're the best defense statistically since 1970. Even better than the Chicago Bears of 85 right now. Ooh. That's... That's yeah, I was seven. I was cheering for the brownies. There's no yep. there's yep. no doubt about yep. it. I was cheering for them brownies yep. on Sunday. Big so, win over the Niners. So he's winner number one. Okay. Loser number one. Ryan Tannehill threw his seventh interception. Uh, so that's bad. Then he got carted off with an ankle injury. I haven't seen how bad it is, but any trade value he has is gone. Um, Ryan Tannehill. He's, he's just, a loser because he got carted off? No, but he's a loser because he hasn't been that good this year, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Loser. That's a, that's a funny one. Yeah. Winner? <laughs> Next winner? Bengals defense. Hey, Joe Burrow's been playing 
uh, better in the last couple of weeks. He didn't look as great as he uh, did against Arizona, but then again, he played a real defense in Seattle. But the uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks were stymied by that Bengals defense, and uh, that's pretty good because it's going to be a grind for Joe Burrow all year long. Let's be honest, they're on a bye right now, but he is not going to be healthy for the whole year. You know, a lot of people were picking the Seahawks to win that game, too, so that the Bengals defense might have been a season saver right there. I picked uh, the Bengals to win that game, actually. Loser or losers, Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. They're 1-5, and five, man. They are bad. October 17th, 2023, Bill Belichick. Officially considered a loser. Yeah. We're at that well, point. Well, he's the loser after week six. Don't you agree? We're they, at that point. Belichick ter- is a loser. Balls these books. They're terrible. Right now they are. Well, Tell yeah, me I'm it's wrong. hard to argue. I mean, uh, a winner. Mac Jones, Macaroni Jones. So, so if you're the head coach and you're running a, uh, you're running a, 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 a section of the, of the team. And you're you're a guru. You better be a guru. Like Brandon Staley of the Chargers, supposed to be a defensive guru. They spent all the money and they rank like twenty eighth, twenty ninth, twenty eighth. They're they're brutal. How about Robert Sala and the the New York Jets defense? They have been rock solid all year. They get pedestrian quarterbacking. They beat the Eagles for the first time ever in their history. I didn't know that the Jets have never beaten the Eagles, but they did. So my winner, Robert Sala and his defense. You'd agree, I'd think. I'd agree, but I would also put in. Uh... Uh, you know, a winner B as Aaron Aaron Rodgers was throwing the ball on the field before the game, and that dude just tore his Achilles like 31 days ago, and he's already out there walking around throwing the ball. That's never been done before, my friends. So maybe Aaron Rodgers is a slight winner here. I mean, you got to give him the props. Wouldn't that be something if he came back and yeah. led them to some sort of some sort of championship? Hey, the chatter is that he's that he's eyeing a comeback if the Jets make the postseason. Can you imagine that? I don't know. I don't see. Would it you happening. cheer for that? Do you cheer for former Packers like Mike McCarthy? No, I don't. (laughs) Once they don't wear the G anymore, it's done. Boy, you got mad right away. No, I do not do that. If you're not wearing the G anymore, you you're, you're, you're dead the, to me. You almost jumped over the desk, man. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, so um, so yeah, so um, he's uh, he's working out on the sidelines. Hopefully, he can, actually, with a torn Achilles, he's probably better than Zach Wilson. Uh, loser. Desmond Ritter of the Falcons. He's throwing six interceptions this year. That dude is not a starting quarterback. Can you in the believe NFL. the Green Bay Packers lost to that team? Like, we lost to them I know. in week two in Atlanta. We lost to Desmond Ritter. That's actually kind of Like, funny. who is that, first of all? I always have to, like, what college, put my eyes what, a little closer to the screen when I see Desmond what Ritter. Like, did he, what college did he go to? I don't know. Some, like, pillow pluff university. I don't know. Desmond Ritter. Let's see. Yeah, where did he go? Desmond Ritter. He uh, he went to university at uh, Cincinnati, apparently. Hmm. Okay. Cincinnati Bearcats. Bearcats. That's where uh, Zach Kalaris another winner, went. Another winner from the week, D'Amico Ryans and the Texans. Did you expect the Texans to be 3-3? Three and three? I didn't. No, I was not expecting the Texans to win on Sunday either, but they got it done. Against New Orleans. Yep. I, could, I could consider them a loser, but I'm trying to make it even here. Losers are the NFL refs. Like, that Monday night game oh. was horrible. Penalties left and right. The Sunday night game, then they throw, don't throw a penalty when, like, the Bills tackle the guy in the end zone, the Giants guy in the end zone. Like, NFL refs 
relative to the training they get, being full-time and the money they make, way worse than CFL refs. I've way always, worse. I've always said that National Football League, out of like the four big sports down south, by far, I would put the NFL refs like at the bottom. Like mm. it's they they literally ruin football yeah, games. Yeah, they do. They do. They do. They do. Uh winner from last night's game, Keenan Allen. 31 years old. That guy has got sweet feet. The old saying used to be deke you out in a phone booth, but there are no phone booths anymore. So I would say that dude could deke you out in a change room. He is outstanding. Now, what I a mean, great player. It's like ha- back to the other one. It's like having like 32 Angel Hernandez. You know, the, oh, the, the, the horrible yeah. umpire yeah. Major League Baseball. I, yeah. It's like having 32 of those yeah. in national. F- but yeah, Keenan Allen's a really isn't good. He, isn't he awesome? He is a very, he's a top five route runner, r- route runner for sure. He might be the best route runner in the NFL. It's him and Devontae, I because think, are one can, and one he Because Devontae's got height, like a bit more height and speed. Keenan Allen isn't fast. He is... Uh, He's got uh, unbelievable feet. In fact, he deked that DB. Is it Brand, the Cowboys DB, replacing uh, Trevon Diggs? He deked him out of his shorts and broke his ankle so bad. One time, the dude tripped on his feet and ended up on the sidelines. That's the one where Herbert overshot him. Hmm. That'd be my loser from last night, Justin Herbert. I still think he's an awesome quarterback. He's a top five, but he missed him twice on deep throws. Oh, that one would have been a would have been a touchdown, and they would have won the game. Yeah, know, like just like. Plop it in there. Why yeah. put that one on the line? Yeah, like, I didn't get that. And your plays are always like a play behind mine, so I can't like you tell know, me. I can't like live in the moment with you when we're I watching know. these games. I huh? know. I hate when you text me. Whoa, you gotta see this. Oh yeah. <laughs> but did you like that one? Actually, That's what... you know who another loser is. I'm going a little Charger centric here. Quentin Johnson from TCU. He has done nothing with the Chargers. Maybe it's a little because of him or a little by their scheme, but. Justin Herbert, the quarterback of the Chargers, had more yards receiving last night than Quinton Johnson because he caught his own deflected pass. That's the one where you said, whoa, you got to see this. And every time, if you're a Chargers fan, anybody says, whoa, you got to see this, you're thinking immediate something to go against the Chargers. And as soon as he threw it, Zinger, I'm like, it's picked off by a fat lineman. He's going to run it for a touchdown. No, Herbie got it. He was running the other, and you can never tell by watching the broadcast feed because the camera was down the field and all of a sudden they pan it back and yeah. you see Herbie running down the field with it. And I saw it's something crazy. I, I saw something I never saw before. Troy Aikman just gave up on Adam. Oh, he was somebody. horrible last night. <laughs> he, just, he, just, he was he, bad. Herbie got sacked once and this was his analysis. I kid no, you not. Wait, like, wait, wait, no, it was uh it was Dak Prescott. Yeah, Prescott got sacked. This is what this is what uh, Aikman said. Oh, well, he eluded at that time, but then, you know, he got sacked the second time around. That is just a mistake. Like, what is that? That's not Aikman. That's like, you know, like a webcast for high school football. <laughs> hey, he makes $50 million, man. What would you expect? Oh, you know, he lackluster quarterback, you know, lackluster broad. I don't know. I won't go I'm there. I'm buying Stir the fire, baby. <laughs> Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Show's brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries on Tuesday, and uh, they bring communities together, supporting over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. I'm joined now by Dante DeCary, a voice of the Regina Pats. And tonight, the Pats taking on the Moose Jaw Warriors. Before we talk about that, they'll come in with some momentum, Dante. Three straight wins over Alberta rivals at the Brandt Center. 
Yeah, and the Pats are now 4-0 against uh, teams in the Central Division, and those are all Alberta teams. And uh, if you look at the Eastern Conference standings right now, uh, the top five teams in the East are all uh, Eastern Division teams, all Saskatchewan-based teams, which is just incredible in itself. But, no, it was a great week for the Regina Pats ballsy. I mean, you talk about, you know, two come-from-behind victories, and then you hold the lead against Lethbridge and beat them on Saturday night. I don't think Al Miller and Brad Haroff could have asked for anything more out of this group. No, absolutely not. And yeah, it was a come from behind fashion two games, and then they held the lead against Lethbridge. And those were teams that were uh, just starting up kind of streaks of their own. So it was nice to to uh, put them down, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, Lethbridge and Regina came in with identical records into Saturday's contest, both five three and one. And Regina comes out six three and one into tonight's matchup against the Warriors, and to a a little bit of a a three game road trip, so to speak, or a three game road swing away from the Brand Center. I mean, this Pats team has just played incredibly well at home. I mean, they've only played three road games, so we'll see how they fare this week. But you know, five one and one at home, four straight home wins. You couldn't ask for anything more from them. I mean, they're just playing as a team. Uh, I know last year they had a lot of firepower, but, you know, this year it's like you look down the roster and you look down the score sheet after every game and it's like a whole bunch of ones across the board. It seems like after each game at least, you know, eight to ten guys gather at least a point, which to me is a positive and says a lot about this team. Tanner Howe and Braxton Whitehead, two of the leaders in terms of scoring. Talk about their games. Yeah, Braxton Whitehead. The one stat that kind of stands out to me, Michael, is the fact that he scored five goals this season, ten points in ten games, right? That's the normal stat. But... His five goals this season have been scored in the third period or later, one being an empty netter. But still, that just explains just how clutch he has been in the third period. And you could look at, you know, so many different statistics on, you know, what he does away from the puck, which he's extremely versatile away from the puck. But to me, the one stat that also stands out the most as well is that the Pats are 5-0 and when he scores at least a goal, right? And you can look at that in whatever way you want to look at it. But, you know, to me, it just shows that he's just a leader and he kind of helps drive the bus with Tanner Howe. And, you know, Braxton Whitehead has just been absolutely phenomenal phenomenal this year. And as a 19-year-old, last year as an 18-year-old, he was dealing with an injury to start the year. And now that he's healthy, you can really see the potential that he has. Now, you uh, started the year without Drew Sim, waiting for him to come back after that hip uh, injury. But uh, how's the goaltending looked over the last little stretch here? Yeah, I think it's been good, Michael. I mean, Pine's got a save percentage over 900. And Huey is, you know, starting to play better as of late. I mean, he had a... Really good start against Red Deer on uh, Friday night. If not for him, especially in overtime and in the shootout, I don't think they win that game. So that's a positive. And Pine's been good as well. It's going to be interesting to see what the Pats management staff does once Drew Sim comes back from injury. He did skate yesterday for the first time this season by himself, though. So he's still a ways away from coming back. I would expect him to be back maybe late November, early December. And then the Pats have to make a decision because they have four overagers on their roster. And once Sim comes back from injury, I don't know what exactly what the league rules are, but I believe that um, he's allowed a chance. You're allowed to keep four for, I, I think, a couple of games or something like that. I, I don't know off the top of my head. But again, I mean, yeah, some tough decisions to be made. So I, I expect a lot of internal competitiveness on two fronts, both on the overagers. They have three overage defensemen. And on top of that, the goaltending side as well, because you can't carry three goaltenders. So, you know, it's going to come down to Sim, Pine, or Huey, and we'll see who are the last two standing, and we'll see who the last three uh, 20-year-olds standing are. Pats are 0-1-1 versus the Moose Jaw Warriors. They're in Moose Jaw tonight. Our pregame show six thirty-five, play-by-play at 7. What do you expect from tonight's game? Yeah, you know what? I mean, the last time the Pats played the Warriors, they had the lead, and uh, they weren't able to hang on to it and lost in overtime. And I, 
all both of those games between the Pats and Warriors have been decided by two goals or less. So I expect another tight game. Moose Jaw just had their three-game winning streak come to an end on Saturday with that 6-3 loss to Prince Albert. So I expect them to be, you know, a little cranky, to be quite honest with you, Michael. They want to get back in the win column. But you know what? I mean, that roster is too talented just to be, you know, with six wins this season for Moose Jaw. I mean, they're, they're a much better team with that. So, um, you know, I think that they're trying to get on a little bit of a roll and the Pats are looking to continue to, you know, prove some, some doubters wrong. So I expect uh, an exciting game in Moose Jaw tonight. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's kind of a fake road trip a little bit here because yeah. it's kind of like an NHL Eastern Conference road trip where you're like uh, the Rangers playing in Philly and Jersey and you're back in your own bed. You're back in your bed. So that's kind of good. Uh, you know, I, I, that's not too bad, actually. I like when we go to Moose Jaw. To me, it almost feels like a home game because, say, we leave the rink at like 3.30, 3.45. That's when I usually get to the rink anyways to get ready for a home game, as an example. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, PA is a little bit of a longer trip on Friday. That's the four hours. You leave at around 11.30 noon, and you get there at around 4.30. And then, you know, you get ready for puck drop for 7. And then you come back, and you get back at 2 in the morning. But they don't have a game Saturday, so that's you know, positive that they can practice and regroup for Sunday. And then Sunday, yeah, it's only a two and a half hour drive to Swift Current, but still it's it's in Swift Current and that's going to be, you know, interesting because it's a four o'clock game. So a little bit of an earlier bus. So, no, I mean, it's interesting to see how the Pats will do on the road in the next couple of games. Uh, you know, Prince Albert's a good team. They're a really good team as well. Moose Jaw's good. Swift Current has struggled this year, but I think they've got a good roster. So uh, no easy opponents coming up. And I talked about this with Kelly Rempel the other day on uh, on pats tv and that was the fact that there's no clear-cut like juggernaut in the eastern conference like like there's no winnipeg like last year where you walk in you go oh here we go again mm-hmm. there's no edmonton there's no seattle like that's kind of the neat thing about this season now do i think it will continue to stay like that no because teams that have you know prospect pools and draft picks etc that think they have a chance to win will trade those to get some players back so you expect other teams will get stronger like Saskatoon and Musha has already done. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Eastern Conference shapes out this year. Dante DiCaria on the air at 635, pregame show puck drop at 7. Thanks for your time, man. You got it, Ballsy. Appreciate it. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lottery's main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Can text us at 936-6262. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. We'll get to some more of your texts. A lot of people in my camp about flag football. We'll get to that in a second with Arash Madani. He's coming up next. Uh, Zinger, you were talking about um, Aaron Rodgers being on the side. Well, he's walking around without his uh, crutches now. A noticeable limp, but he's on the sidelines throwing the ball too. He's way ahead of schedule. Um, he's a, he's a bit out there. He went to that dark retreat, right? He's done a bunch of different things. He's did some like hallucinogenics and all that type of stuff. Um, he did say he was going to. He said that um, dolphins having sex was very. He read was very uh, healing for people. So uh, let's see. It was. Would this make you, uh, if you were like sick or something, had to recover from an injury? Would this work for you? Yeah, dolphins having sex right there. 
apparently. I don't think that would do much for me. Well, apparently it's working for Aaron Rodgers. There we go. Oh, and looky, looky, looky here. Now, anything can happen with computers. I get it. Today's day and age. Uh, don't believe what you see, but this is interesting. Remember that Marianne's her name last night. We're in that Herbert. Looks like a New Jersey, and she's getting excited when she shouldn't. Like saying, for instance, she mouths, get him, get him, when they have the ball. Okay? So she's really excited. Well, now there's a picture coming. She said she hasn't been hired by the NFL to be a super fan, yet there is a picture of her at a Minnesota Vikings outdoor game wearing an Adam Thielen jersey with the same, with face paint and everything. Exact same woman. So, little fan gate there. Anyway, let's get to a Rashmadani, shall we? Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. I'd be utterly shocked if this guy is in the camp with me. First, we've got to tell you the sponsor, Arashma Danny's Coast to Coast. Feature brought to you by Brian Golly of Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Give old Brian Golly a call. 546-2533. I don't mean old Brian Golly. I mean our old friend, Brian Golly. We've got another great old friend on the hotline here. Take a slice out of your fall schedule by letting Western Pizza do the cooking for you here in Regina and surrounding area. Okay, Arash Madani joins us. Arash, uh, I have coached flag football uh, yeah. for a number of years. It was, it's great here in Regina. It's got, the Regina's got the best flag football league. We, uh, the kids get to keep their jerseys inexplicably. The CFL gave up funding for the fall one, so the NFL took it over. It is a, it, it is a wonderful sport. It's a great introductory sport to the actual sport of football. But after doing some, I had Jim Mullen from Football Canada, your friend, you're on the Football Canada board. Flag football is not an Olympic sport. That would be like, but like having you know introductory like pitch and putt for golf is an Olympic sport. I'm sorry, no, no go. And now the NFL wants to. They're, they're saying the players can play in the Olympic flag football. Of so course. what a of farce! They do. What a farce! No, it's not an Olympic sport. I no, say no. no. Let me let, let me let me slow you down for a second here, Ballsy. As as this as I want to do whenever we do these things. So let's think about what's just happened. Flag football is being introduced for LA twenty twenty eight. So there it's not that it's being introduced for Brisbane, Australia's um Olympics in twenty thirty two or Paris Olympics next summer. It's for America. And what else is coming in with it? Lacrosse and baseball and softball, traditional North American sports to draw eyeballs, to draw revenue. And what the NFL is saying and what the NFL has understood is that there are more and more parents out there who are very apprehensive about putting their kids into tackle football, concussions, injuries, the rest. But but flag is outdoors, flag is athletic, flag requires athleticism, flag incorporates a lot of the same stuff that football does when it comes to camaraderie and teamwork and strategy and the rest. Baldy, whether you like it or not, flag is the future of grassroots football. I didn't say I didn't like it as a, as a grassroots football. I, I like flight. Once again, I coached it. I played it. I cover it here. We've got the best flag football league in North America. You can't 
pick and choose just because this Olympics we're going to have bowling because it's big in Syria and this year we're going to do darts because it's big in Wisconsin. No, no. And it's not a, it is not as, no. That would be like, okay, well, we're not going to have baseball. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get, we're going to Let me stop you for a sec. Let me stop you for a sec. The inside Olympics, the inside baseball thing on all this is, look, we were talking about the IOC. Which, along with FIFA, you know, they're they're neck and neck for the most corrupt organizations on earth. Yep. You know, right I'd there. I throw, throw NCAA in there too, but sure. So, to understand why golf has been introduced and why baseball is being introduced, softball, football, they are long sports. They're not introducing the 150 meter dash. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? What are you talking about? The way the IOC sells its broadcast rights, its streaming rights, its media rights, Baldi, they sell it by the hour. So what they're doing is they're introducing long-form sports so they can just bring in a ton more cash. And they're doing it with sports that are relevant in the marketplace where... You know, the NBCs of the world are going to overpay for domestic mm-hmm. games. Follow the money always. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Okay, so, Arash Madani, are my riders going to be money against the Argos, or are they DOA? I thought they were already DOA. No, no, uh, no, no. So, so you know, you're, I know you're saying that tongue-in-cheek. No, literally, literally, if Calgary goes out and loses to BC on Friday, which I absolutely think will happen, all the riders got to do is beat Toronto, and they're in the playoffs. Okay. When, <laughs> what, 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 and I know I'm, I sound flippant. When was the last time the riders showed a pulse? Well, I, I no, actually, no, no, no. Actually, they showed a pulse in Calgary. They played a they played a good game in Calgary for first parts of it. That's the problem. They, I'm I'm not doubting the riders' effort in the last game. I'm doubting their failed execution time and time again. The, the week before was atrocious, but they actually showed up against Calgary this last week. Yeah, and then I think back to the Banjo Bowl, too, and I just look at it, Balti, and I just, I, I just don't think the talent is anywhere near good enough to be, you know, in the upper tier of the league. The thing is, there's three good teams, and then there's everybody else. And I don't really know where the Ticats are, to be quite honest with you. Uh, are they with everybody else? Are they not? Is, is it the top three, and then the Ticats, and then everybody else? Um, I think I know it's, anything I, I, can happen in the CFL. I, they're not a, the writers aren't a playoff team, and even if they get in, they're going to get run out of the gym. I think uh, it's Toronto by a mile. Winnipeg looks. Uh, Winnipeg is is good, not great. BC's good, not great. Montreal's yeah. got a really good defense, but a pop gun offense that'll let you down more times than it doesn't. And Hamilton Especially with that quarterback, yeah, yeah. And Hamilton, it depends on. I think Hamilton should ride with Matthew Schiltz. To be quite honest with you, yeah. I'm just I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, do I really believe anybody in the East is going to beat Toronto? 
And I just don't see a scenario unless the Argos just completely, you know, commit six turnovers or something like that, especially if the weather's horrible on the 11th of November. Like, that, that's the only scenario. Yeah, with that in mind, Arash, do you think Toronto yeah. plays a little bit of their guys? We, they haven't announced it yet. Are they going to play, like, uh, you know, their starters for some of this game and then some of the Ottawa game? How would you play it? I think what they do is they play their starters other than Will, not Willett this week, but against Edmonton, they played everybody. I mean, they played Willett into the middle of the fourth quarter of the Edmonton game two weeks ago. They played Kelly most of it. I think, and I, and I don't know this, at some point, Chad's going to have to get, you know, out of the line of fire. Maybe he plays for a quarter and a half or a half, um, and that's it. Because the issue with the Argos is what what's going to prepare you for a playoff environment with a bye? It's not playing Edmonton. It's not playing Ottawa. It's not playing Sask. It's not playing Ottawa. And then you get a bye. And then you and then it's one game for a gray for a spot in the Grey Cup. Like, how are you prepared? to go up against quality competition and mm-hmm. so I think that's that's the that's a real issue facing them. Yeah. Hey Arash, we got plenty of uh, other stuff to get to on Thursday and lots will happen before then and now it's always a great debate. Love it, Jabalzi. Thanks, bud. Take care, man. That's Arash Madani joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with comments from Jamal Morrow and our clutch performer or performers. You're listening to the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Kyle Schwarber ready to lead off. First ball swinging, and there it goes. An ambush by Schwarber, and it's one to nothing Phillies. For Schwarber in the regular season. Now Harper deep in the right center, and he'll watch this one fly. Second home run of the inning. Drives out in the right, got some heat on it, and this is going to be up and out of here. Castellanos, he's on a home run binge. Castellanos with his fifth home run in the last three games of this postseason. Well, as you heard right there, the Philadelphia Phillies opened the NLCS at home with some long ball action. Schwarber, Bryce Harper on his 31st birthday smashed the seats. And then, of course, Nick Castellanos has been red hot. The Phillies win 5-3 over the Arizona Diamondbacks in Game 1 of that series. So our clutch performer or performers, the Phillies early game bats for Nick's service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Cleaner and Fent Dealer. Give them a call, 781-1077. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Got text from Hal and Brent that I'll get to a little later on. Keep them coming, 936-6262. Blaine Wyland was down at practice getting the audio for us, and he had a chance to uh, catch up with Riders running back Jamal Morrow. Um, Play consistent. I mean, we've showed times we're playing good ball, but haven't been able to do it the whole entire game. So it's just something we need to be able to do for four quarters and play consistent ball, turnover-free ball, and... Yeah. 
Are you guys doing something different this week to try and change to how things have been going? Or I mean, most of it is going to come down to game day execution. I mean, we've been doing this for 20 weeks now, so everything that's all, all that matters is how well we do on the field. I mean, we have a great, great game plan, and I know we everything works until it doesn't. So um, for us, we got to be able to go out there and execute and um, not make mistakes. How much would you guys be paying attention to that Friday game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a pretty big one. But I mean, regardless, um, you know, we still got to go out and win, anyways. And so, um, yeah, we've been saying that for a long time. But um, we still got to go out there and take care of our business. So, but I think it's like it starts at taking one play at a time and executing one play at a time and making sure we're not, like I said, shooting ourselves in the foot and um, making it difficult for ourselves. Did you think you'd be in this bit of a playoff puzzle, like six straight losses, your record, what it is, but still having a chance this late in the season? <laughs> I mean, it's very rare, right? Um, I didn't think I would be this, in this position again after last year, but uh, here we are. So, I mean, like I said, we still have a chance, and um, it's just, I mean, everything's still on the table for us. So, we know we're not going to get too low and get too high, but we know we still have an opportunity, so we just got to take care of this, uh, This take advantage of this opportunity. And like I said, um, it just comes down to executing and making sure we're d doing our right things on the field. What's led to the rushing attack really finding its groove these past couple of games for you guys? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it was a, a thing we're work in progress, but, I mean, it was just kind of just seeing me and the old line be on the same page and, I mean, just kind of breaking down film of what we're good at and um, where, where we can attack teams. So I think that's been a, um, a huge thing for us moving forward, I mean, or the last few games. So it's just something that we need to go ahead and, uh, you know, continue to, to get to continue to work, work on it so then that opens everything else up for the offense. Jamal, we know you want to win this week. That's what you're focusing on. But so many scenarios are after that. Then you have a bye. Mm-hmm. Players, do they make plans? You guys have leases to look after. You have bills to pay, and you're you're up in limbo, kind of. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's just gonna come with the. Um, I mean, yeah, I just play. I mean, we'll just try, try to win on uh, Saturday, and you know, let ever let all that you know take care of itself. But I mean, I think you know that's all stuff you can kind of you know deal with, and you know you want to deal with, you know, be able to deal with that. So this is the you know an opportunity for us to you know whether it's we win and we have to wait. We you know this is kind of just wearing Lou out. But you know at the end of the day, our like I said before, our only thing we want to do is win. You guys, have you made plans during the bye week? Because you knew that this bye week was coming from the start of the schedule. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to – I mean, our schedule's the same. So, I mean, I didn't have any plans regardless. I was going to stay out here. So, but, yeah, um, I think some people have, some people don't. So, I mean, who knows? But whether they do or not, that's just, you know, we got to go ahead and take care of what's in front of us first rather than uh, worry about that. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. What are you expecting from Toronto this week? That's a great question. I mean, um, that's a that's a really good. I don't know. Um, it's not more what they're doing. I mean, it's a, it's we got to focus on us. I mean, if they want to, we don't know if they're going to play guys if not. Um, but for us, it's, it's another opportunity for us to go out and you know win. So I mean, obviously they they have they sealed their stuff up, and so they can do whatever they want. But for us, it's a it's a it's a gotta have it. I guess essentially everything's been, but. Um, yeah, it's just something we need to go out and, you know, and take care of. So, I mean, what they do is what they do, but we'll see when the roster comes out. But for us, it's just something that we need to, you know, look uh, look inward to and uh, worry about us. Have you given much thought to the possibility of a 1,000 yards? A little bit, a little bit. Um, 
I mean, I, now I think it's like 114, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely circled by me. And the main thing is the win, you know. So whether you know if it's 114 gets us a win, I'm not. I'm, if we win, I'll be happy. So I mean, regardless, whatever it is, whatever it takes for us to win, that's um, that's all I care about. But we know that's a possibility. So I mean, if it's there, we might as well try to get it. But I mean, you know, the win's important first. How sweet would that be too? Because last year you were on that pace, and then injuries kind of got in the way of it. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it's something that you, I mean, personally, like, you always want, that's, as a running back, that's what you want to get to, and so, um, you know, there has been some down moments, but I mean, the opportunity's still there, and so, I'm excited, and you know, it's always like, you know, set aside, you know, the team, but like, always, for personal, like, that's something I always wanted to achieve for myself, and uh, so, yeah, it'll be huge to get, but you know, like I said, it doesn't matter if we don't win, so whatever, whatever number it takes to, for us to win, that's all that matters to me. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good time. I mean, it's fan appreciation day. I know it's a, um, we get the, you know, it's a pink game. So I know that's, a, um, I was actually fortunate to go up to, um, a dinner last week with the, the you know, the, um, the touchdown foundation. So, um, it'll be super excited to see some of them in the crowd and, um, you know, just a, you know, fans, uh, fan day as well. But, um, it's just, uh, you know, it's at least we're, you know, going out there for a great cause. Um, you know, the, the pink, you know, supporting of everybody, you know, breast cancer and all that, and people who's going through their fight. So, I mean, it's very, um, it's important, and um, yeah, I'm excited to go and you know and do that. That's Jamal Morrow in conversation with reporters. He put he's put back to back excellent rushing games together. He is uh, within a puncher's chance of being a thousand yard rusher, which would be a nice accomplishment for him. And if he can get there, that would mean the Riders have an opportunity to beat the Argonauts on Saturday. We'll be back with more of the sports cage, including your texts at 936-6262. We'll also take your calls at 936-6262 and 1-866-767-0620. We'll play pick the score, and I feel like I'm still I got a couple more rants to get out. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. All right, time for your sports ticker at 433, brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. The Texas Rangers lead the American League Championship Series two games to none after hanging on to beat the Houston Astros on Monday night. The Texas Rangers, they remain the only undefeated team in this year's postseason. Seven wins, zero losses. Game one in the NLCS on Monday, the Philadelphia Phillies survived a Diamondback comeback, taking Game 1-5-3 the final. Game 2 goes tonight in the city of brotherly love. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake sphere. Play pass. 16 counters, EV bank. Pull back west, right, zoom. Pull back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick swing left. On one. Today on the CFL Report, we go back to yesterday's show where Craig Dickinson, Riders head coach, joined us exclusively. And we talked about some of the things going on on the offensive side of the ball as the team gears up for a must win in the regular season finale. Yeah, he's thrown some really nice balls. You know, he, a couple have got it in the way, but, you know, that happens to everybody. So. 
we're gonna we're gonna roll with Jake and and, uh, and support him every way we can. You know, a lot of people have jumped on uh, the O line at times over the last couple of years, and we've heard run game, run game, run game. But some of it's the running back. I think Jamal Morrow's put together two of his best games, and he is kind of playing with a more sense of purpose. Would I be uh, on the right track when I say that? Because the guy's approaching a thousand yards, and he's been good the last two games. Yeah, and you know, it also coincides with the return of Philip Blake at guard, and there's a big. Uh, big correlation there. Getting big Phil back and getting his physicality, his mindset, his his toughness back in the old line has helped us. And I think that's that's also had a lot to do with us running the ball better these last few weeks. Coach, this is a head scratcher for me. Help me out here. Tevin Jones hasn't been starting the last little bit. Some of it may have to do with ratio. I'm assuming that. But here's a guy that's a top 10 receiver. Uh, he did play last week on special teams. I know you had him on an onside punt type deal. He almost got to the ball. Just uh, can you expand on that for me, Tevin Jones' yeah, status? Yeah, we, we felt like we need a little more help on defense. So we flipped the roster and the ratio. I uh, started Brunson on defense. Last week was, was just a, a short week. We didn't have a chance to adjust it, um, and Brunson got injured and so wasn't able to play. So we played an extra Canadian last week. But mm-hmm. we'll look at ways to try to get Tevin back out there. And I, he, I know he's anxious to get back out there and play. Um, he's got to do a better job, I'm going to be honest with you, of, of learning the playbook and, and being diligent in what he's doing because – there were some issues there in terms of uh, some mental mistakes, but we're going to try to get our best our best 45 out there. Kevin's one of my favorites. He's one of the, the hardest workers on the team. He's just got to do a little better job of paying attention to details, and uh, he'll get more opportunities as, as he continues to show that he can do that. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, live from Nashville, we're joined by the great color commentator on the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. You see him on Sportsnet in between periods, too. It is Bob Stoffer. Uh, just two games. It's an 82-game schedule. Uh, I know Evander Kane had that kind of funny quote, oh, the sky's falling. But should we be worried a little bit about the goaltending and defense on this team early? Uh, I think it's fair to sit there and say it's been a disappointing start, and you expect more out of you can't be sitting there dead last in goals against and dead last in save percentage. And that's where they're at right now. And they're dead last in penalty killing. And they're all, I mean, they're giving up six goals against per game through the first two games. Their penalty killing is only at 55%. They've, Vancouver has scored, you know, scored four goals and nine power plays. And the save percentage is at 750. When you have a save percentage of like goaltending, you know, I think we all know, Michael, how important the position is. That's like having a quarterback with a 45% completion percentage, and he's got a, uh, let's say, 14 picks and just nine touchdown passes. Like, that's, you're, there's, you have no chance to win if that continues. Now, we're two games into a season. It's an 80-game season. You know, it's like losing the opening game of the year in the CFL, so let's see what they got. Yeah. So, but you know, back in the day, the Oilers, maybe not so much of the 90s. I think they were a little more responsible defensively, but they were an offensive juggernaut in the 80s. Probably the last time the Oilers have been talked about in Stanley Cup circles. At least the Fears and the Ranfords of the world made a save when you needed to make a save. And I think that's kind of what we're asking for here. Just Campbell and Skinner, make me a save you're not supposed to make. I think that's fair. Uh, that said, people 
I, I've got a long memory because I've been in Edmonton mm-hmm. my entire life. Like, I will tell you right now that uh, if you look back at the start of the 90-91 season, Edmonton only won two of their first 13 games played. <laughs> okay? And they ended up in the Western Conference Final that year. Of course, they'd won the Stanley Cup in 1990. Even in 91-92, they opened up the season. They traded Mark Messier to the New York Rangers in the like late in the summer. might have even been – it was September of 91. And they traded Messier to the Rangers. And they got beat 9-2 by Calgary in the opening game and still made it to the Western Conference Final. So, um, this you know, I, I've got a sense of history. Yep. The strange thing that happens, that's happened with Edmonton for whatever reason is they have been a second-half team each of the last four seasons. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm including the 1920 year of Tippett. I'm including the 2021 year of Tippett. The last two years with Woodcroft. So, I, you know, I think we saw the team get better as the game wore on in the second and third period against Vancouver. But when you start the way the orders start, criticism comes with the territory. That's just the inevitability of the situation. And, uh, you know, an emotional return for uh, Ekholm here back to Nashville. In two ways. I mean, it was interesting watching Tyson Berry because Tyson's a really engaging guy and very popular in every dressing room that he's been in. Ekholm, I mean, I don't have to – I mean, you know the numbers. The team went 18-2-1 with him in the lineup in the final 21 games. He went plus 28. They're the best plus minus in the league. Uh, and the best record he, – he had the best plus minus in the league in the final quarter. And the Oilers had the best record in the league in the final quarter. So – it will be a big night. You know, he's, he basically spent 12 seasons, you know, in the Preds organization, 10 with the actual team on a full-time basis. Um, I'm sure the proverbial money will be on the board. Uh, he led the stretch this morning here in Nashville. Um, and the owners need to get him up and running. I mean, if you take a look at that, and you know I, I, I love Sam Lafferty. I've liked him for a while. And if Vancouver falls out of it, that's the exact type of player the owners need to be in on. In fact, don't be naive. They were in on him when Toronto put him out there uh, mm-hmm. and, and called him out of the league. Uh, but Lafferty can really skate. And he took Ekholm wide, who had not played in preseason, and then Stuart Skinner wasn't there to, to, to make the stop. Uh, but Ekholm was a big part of things. He really settled down Evan Bouchard. And uh, I think at some point this year, you'll see him end up playing with Philip Broberg. Uh, Broberg's going to stay in the lineup tonight as well. Jack Campbell's going to start, by the way. But the Oilers need, they need a win. And they need some stops. And Ekholm, his history and track record with an Oiler has suggested that the team is a better chance of winning. You do. Have, you do have a great memory. You do have a sense of history. So uh, I don't. I don't remember which teams. Although it was a lot of teams. The you know the combination of uh, Gretzky and Curry owned. But uh, McDavid and Drysdale have been Gretzky yeah. and Curry like against the Preds. Well, I assert to you that when they played together for the last seven years, they're the two highest scoring players. Like, it's unbelievable. I mean, Connor's got 33 points in 19 games against Nashville. Leon is, uh, he's just off the charts. Like, he's, I think he's got 20 goals in like his last 11 games against Nashville. And he's played really well. And, and the funny thing about this, Michael, is until the 1920 season, the Oilers used to get owned here. In Nashville. Yes, Nashville. they did. They used to just get, like, even even in 16-17 when Edmonton had a pretty good year, I remember having one of the greatest players in the history of the game uh, telling me, you know, we could, we need we need to play Nashville. In the, we get Nash, we get past Anaheim, we could beat Nashville. I'm like, well, they've had our number. He goes, it'll be different in the playoffs. 
and I'm thinking to myself, they don't have you. They had you. You can figure out who it was because he was with mm-hmm. the team on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, no, uh, the last basically the last four seasons, it's just been completely different. I mean, even the game here, we played here twice in a week last year, and uh, the, the Oilers. Campbell started all three games against Nashville. Edmonton won like 7-4 and Edmonton 6-3 year. Kane and Hyman both had hat-tricks in those games, but it's McDavid and Drysdale that have been overwhelmingly challenging for the Preds to deal with. Them. The Preds won the final game 4-3 in overtime. So it'll be a big one tonight for the Oilers just because they got to get going. they got to get her turned in the right direction. Yeah, and I'll let you go here because it is a busy day, but one last question. I don't think I've asked you this before. Who's the leader of this team? Like, who is – we know McDavid's the face of the league, but who's the leader of the Oilers? McDavid's the leader. Drysaddle's a strong support guy with Nurse and RNH, and Eckholm has come into the fold and provided an, an older sounding board, and then Hyman's uh, – I mean, and eventually Brown, when Brown, Brown's, his twitch is a little off, like he hasn't played in basically 11 and a half months. And right. So they mixed the lines up and moved him further down the lineup. And they're playing him with McLeod in the Holloway tonight. But Connor's the leader. It's Connor's team. Make no mistake, and dry settles, you know, that's his running mate. But now I, I'm intrigued about the, the, you know, how long they go with McDavid and dry settle on the same line, just because Nashville's good in the face-off circle. And, you know, like RNH and McLeod are both sitting, you know, the other second, third, and fourth line centers tonight are 40, 40, and 45% in the faceoff circle. So I don't like having to work that much to get the puck back. And when you got dry settle at 59 and McDavid at 61% in the faceoff circle, sometimes you like to have those guys on their own line. Mm. Hey, do I put money on the Oilers tonight or what? I don't, I don't ever tell anybody how to bet. I mean, I used to tell guys. That one of the surest bets used to be NCAA college football top-end programs because those programs, second and third stringers, those guys want to prove that they can play. But now we have the transfer portal. Yeah. So if you're not playing, you get a transfer to another school, and you don't have to put your time in. And actually, the smart money in NCAA football pro, uh, is not always betting heavy on high-point favorites because we've seen this year there's been a substantive amount. I mean, who saw Notre Dame beat USC last week? Who saw Texas beat in Alabama in week two? Uh, and I bring this up because we are in the hot blood of uh, SEC football country. Actually, Alabama plays Tennessee. How about this for a small little story? Tyler Henry was the wide receiver at the University of Alberta, drafted by the Manitoba or by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and he's now a strength and conditioning coach at uh, Tennessee. Uh, it's a pretty interesting story. And they've got a quarterback that has a rocket. His name is Joe Milton. He's six foot four, two sixty, and at the Manning camps. He was making, you know how they have the little golf carts with the nets? He yep. made an 80 yard throw and hit the, uh, hit the net from 80 yards away. This guy's got a bazooka. So that's a big game that's going to be on, on uh, CBS on Saturday. Hey, how are your riders doing? Uh, <clears throat> never mind. But hey, my, uh, my son's UND Fighting Hawks, uh, absolutely pumped NDSU. So that was good. So there you go. There you go. Well, it's great that your son was able to overcome your genetics. You know what? You could beat it. And by the way, you're a great politician. You never answer the question. You took us on a, you knew I'm a football guy, so you took me on a football story and got away from the initial question, Trudeau. Should I bet on the Oilers tonight? I, I don't ever, I, I don't, uh, I'll tell you this. I don't tell people how to wager on sports bets, uh, but I'm going to give you, you mentioned Trudeau. Yeah. I'm going to give you a name to watch in the future for the Liberals, and his name is Mark Carney. He was Peter Shirelli's best man. They went to Harvard together. He uh, used to run the Bank of Canada. 
and the Bank of uh, England. And let me tell you this right now. They are warming this guy up in the bullpen to take over for Trudeau because I don't think they think Trudeau can beat Paul Eric. So there, you asked for it, I gave you more. <laughs> take care, man. See ya. Bye-bye. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM for Saskatchewan Lotteries. A couple of rants, and then we'll get to um, we'll get to our uh, pick the score. You sports football rankings are out. Western is seven and zero. I've got no problem with them being one. Montreal seven and zero. They're two. Laurier seven and zero. They're three. I guess by record you go with it. Laval five and two. Although not all records are equal in U Sports football. St. FX is 7-0, and they're 5. They've got no level of competition. Even though my buddy Lance Ford's son Ryan plays there, and I love, I love that kid, 7-0, and they should not be 5. This is where, though, it just gets goofy. The U of S Huskies are 4-2. and two, And I know the U of S Huskies have a real good program. They've gone to the last two Vanier Cups, defending Hardy Cup champs. How the hell... Are the U of S Huskies at four and two, fresh off a loss to the Alberta Golden Bears at Foot Field? How are they six and the five and one Golden Bears are seven? That that ruins this whole list. The credibility shot. Saint effects at five. Eh, credibility dented. Huskies lose to the U of A, but they're ahead of the U of A. Window shattered. It's over. The they, list is done. And, and by and by the way, and by the way. By the way. Hit that button. Yeah, yeah. You can keep hitting it while I say this, okay? Check this out. The U of S Huskies have lost two games, both of them to Alberta. Alberta beat them there, and Alberta beat them in, in Saskatoon, Saskatoon, or in Edmonton. Oh, it just makes it even right? worse. Yeah, right? What's the goal here with these rankings? Do they want to, like, make themselves... I don't know. So, so you're gonna tell you're gonna tell me that Windsor at five and two is better than UBC at four and two. The UBC Thunderbirds would in stealing Luke's would mollywop Windsor, Saint Effects at least. Like Saint Effects and Windsor should be eight and nine. I'd bump, I'd bump uh, or nine and ten. I'd bump uh, UBC to eight because they might have a good game with Queens. But there's no way in bloody hell that Alberta is seven. Alberta should be five ahead of the U of S. Get I love I, me I some gar- Scott. I, gar- I love me some Scott Flory, but get out of here. I guarantee you no. Know, like imagine being yeah. Morris and the Alberta Golden yeah. Bears seeing the rankings oh. today. Nobody's gonna beat the Golden Bears now. It's over. Yeah. It's over. So so. Chip on their shoulder. This bulletin board material. This leads into something else. So just because the older I get, the dumber people get. And you could consider me dumb at times too, I guess. But listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. No, I meant this one. Yeah, exactly. So check this out. Whether it's somebody running a sports league, a commissioner, a business, a province, a country, a state. We give them way too much. If they're rich, they must be smart, but you don't know how they got their money. So I have somebody very close to me that works in the medical profession at the uh, hospital, at the general hospital. The general hospital is finally getting a parkade. I've been complaining about this for a very long. Thank you. We really splurged on the sound effects. Do that again. I don't know if I like the sound of that one, to be honest. 
Nah, that's not even a good golf clap. How about the other one? There's another one there. Yeah, we got it. We got right this one. Oh, we got no, it. That's right there. Yeah, the, no, up, up. Yeah, there. That's the one. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Come so, on, people. Be in here ready when we need you. Yeah, ya. anyway, so here we go. Um, So they're, they're finally, they had the whole ceremonial thing. They're starting the parkade. Long overdue. Okay? Mm -hmm. Before nurses had to park on the street, get parking tickets, go out to not exactly the greatest area to get to their cars at all hours of the day, okay? Um, Now what they've done, nurses and doctors, whatever parking was, like they had their own parking, they paid for their parking, but that's where they parked. Well, now, as the story goes, they can't park there, even though they're paying even though they're paying to park, they can't park there. So guys like me and you who are going to the hospital, so we can park there. So doctors and nurses now have to catch a shuttle from the Conexus Art Center. So they drive in to the Conexus Art Center and a bus leaves at a regular schedule like every half an hour to bring the medical personnel to the hospital back to their vehicles. But yet they're still charging them for parking uh, because this my significant other parks at both the general and the Pasqua because she has to work at both hospitals and then therefore she's got to still pay the parking but they're not giving her a break on parking she got a ticket for parking in that area and so because she was rushed so like think of this our medical personnel have to park at the at the Conexus and then come over to the hospital. Well, I'm confused about why why the connect like that's a long ways away. I the have Connexus no to I, the general. I have no idea. Why but not once park again, them in Moose? Pick what, them up in MJ. Once again, man, we give people <laughs> too much credit for being smart. That like they must have a position, so they must be smart. Sometimes people couldn't organize a one car parade. Anyway, here we go. Nine three six six two six two. The number to text. text Text us. You got to give us your phone number, which we'll get with the text. We need an email, and we need what city you're from, and we need your name, obviously. And you got to give us the score. First and last name, can't have one in the last 90 days. Right, so you can't have one in the last 90 days. First and last name, where you're from, and we'll have your phone number. And you pick the score, and if your score is, uh, well, you get tickets to the game, the Riders fan appreciation game, where there's a chance to win lots of prizes, and hopefully the Riders clinch a playoff spot. But anyway, I digress. You'll go to that game. If you if your score is correct or closest to without going over, and we pick your name, you'll get a $200 gift card from Sastel because it's Sastel pick the score and then you'll be in the running for a experience in a suite with you and three others at a rider game next year so 936-6262 before the end of the show we'll pick a winner first and last name can't have one for 90 days tell us where you live this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Tuesday shows brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We're happy to be joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Tim Peel, longtime NHL ref, and now one of the guys you can find on the Snipes and Stripes podcast with Jeremy Roenick. How are you today, my friend? I'm great, Michael. How are you? Good, man. Where can they find this podcast? I'm assuming everywhere you can find podcasts? Yeah, exactly. Spotify, Apple. Uh, you can actually watch us live on Wednesday nights. We're on nofilter.net. You can watch us live uh, on your phones. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Jeremy Roenick has, has certainly been outspoken and a little controversial uh, during his career, and 
and I've certainly been controversial. So we've uh, we've we've done two episodes, and it's uh, it's been great so far. I think it's around twenty in the U.S. or I'm sorry, twenty in Canada, and I think we were rated four or five yesterday in the U.S. So it's it's done very well. Awesome, man. Hey, give me your uh, top three players when you were a ref to interact with. Do you have three off the top of your head? Yeah, um, my you know I could. You know, the easy ones are to say, you know, Mario Lemieux, uh, you know, the superstars. But Joe Thornton was always my my favorite guy. I loved Joe Thornton, uh, one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. We came up, I ref him in junior hockey when he, he was in Sault Ste. Marie and, and I was in the OHL. So we kind of started our careers together. Anze Kopitar is another guy. Uh, you know, with the Los Angeles Kings, it's just a, just a great guy. Like, I don't know if these guys ever yelled at me, but if they ever did, then, then I should probably, uh, look at the, look at the play again because they weren't the type to ever complain. They just, they focused on the game. And then I loved interacting with Sid Crosby. You know, I was reading a, a thing on social media a couple of days ago, how Sid will text, uh, Mike Sullivan, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, he'll text them during the evening and say, hey, I'm watching this game and this team's doing this on the power play. What do you think of this? And so on. So it's kind of, uh, you know, he's such a student of the game and he's been so good for our league. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wasn't a big fan of his at the start. He, you know, he, he was kind of, um, I don't know, well, maybe I will say a little immature, but hey, that comes with the territory. He was young, but he certainly has become not only a student of the game, but a real uh, gentleman and great leader as he's gone along. I agree 100%. And, and, and you're absolutely right on your assessment. When he came into the league, you know, he would whine a lot and complain a lot to the refs. But you think about this season junior hockey at 16, 17, and you know he ran that league back then. He ran the league. He ran the officials. He was able to do whatever he wanted, and he came to the National Hockey League, and all of a sudden he's dealing with Don Koharski and Bill McCreary and Gary Frazier and guys that have been around uh, a long time, and I think he quickly realized, okay, this is a little different than what I'm used to in, the, in junior hockey. All right. So uh, speaking of that, we got another young kid coming up. We were very fortunate to uh, see him for a few years, Connor Bedard. Um, I know you and Jr. were talking about this on your Snipes and Stripes podcast. Um, the the hype a little overdone. I think Jr. thought it was. How about you? No, I don't think it is. I disagree with Jr. And and you know, after his first game against Pittsburgh, Jr. was like, "Yeah, he didn't really do anything to wow me." And I get that, but. You know, his first game in the National Hockey League, he's playing against his childhood hero, Sidney Crosby. He had 11-12 shot attempts. He had nine zone entries, which is tough to do against NHL players. He had five shots on net. Defensively, you know, he was kind of a, he kind of uh, was out of position for Sidney Crosby's goal. But I was impressed with the kid. He's 18 years old. And the other thing that I said, and I've said it uh, on different platforms, is He's playing with Ryan Donato and, and Taylor Hall. Like, I'm sorry, these aren't, these aren't, we're not talking superstar players here. You know, Chicago, I was really impressed. I watched Chicago and Toronto last night. And Luke Richardson, I always loved Luke Richardson when he played in the NHL. He was my type of guy. And I think he's the type of coach now that these young players really relate to because I can tell you he cares about his players. He, he's not one of those that, is going to be arrogant to your, you know, he, I guarantee you those guys love playing for Luke Richardson 
And I think Chicago is going to be a lot better than what people anticipated this year. Connor Bedard isn't an otherworldly skater. No, I'm saying that as a guy that uh, skates on my ankles, okay? But he isn't an <laughs> otherworldly skater as, as it relates to, say, like a Connor, a McDavid, and some of those high elite uh, players. But when, when you talk about generational talents, I think he does think the game ahead of uh, a lot of players, and he's got that otherworldly shot. I've heard a lot of people compare him to like a Marcel Dion type. Yeah, that's that's probably a great analogy. You know, I think the expectations people were saying, oh, he's going to score forty goals this year and he's going to do this. I think, I think realistically, if if he had sixty, sixty-five points this year, I think that would be a good season for him. You know, I don't think he's he he's more a playmaker than you know Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. Those guys are elite skaters in the National Hockey League. I don't. He, Connor Bedard's a, a, a tremendous skater. But I don't think that's his game. I agree with you. I think he's more set up guys, make plays, get that shot off in between the dots. And, uh, you know, you were lucky enough. I, I didn't know a lot about him. Obviously watched him during the World Juniors. You got to see him play a lot, but I'm excited to watch this young man. Tell you what, speaking of skating, we don't talk about this enough. Just what great skaters and what great condition you guys have to be in now. You guys being refs. You know what? That's a great point. When we, when I came in the league in 98, you know, fitness was just starting to creep into, to our training camps and so on, but nowhere where it's been the last 10, 12, 15 years. And Stephen Walkham in the NHL, they've, they've gone a direction where they're hiring a lot of ex NHL players and, or ex hockey players. And they had this combine in Buffalo in the summertime and guys that played in the American League. You know, we have Carter Sandlack who played, his dad played in the NHL, Jim Sandlack. We have the, the beach kid. His brother played a little bit in the American Hockey League. Um, there's a few other guys that, uh, Tommy Hughes was a linesman last night in the New York Ranger game. He was in the New York Rangers organization. So they're hiring these guys that they're tremendous skaters, but they're also in tremendous shape. And, you know, I joked the last couple of years I was on the ice, we'd be in the dressing room. And I'd look at some of these young guys and I'd be like, dude, you look like an Abercrombie and Finch model here. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm embarrassed. To, I'm embarrassed to take my shirt off in front of these guys. They're, they're all for the fans and the listeners, next time you go to a game, watch the refs uh, skate onto the ice to, to start the game, and you'll be like, wow, I didn't realize they were that good. Yeah, they are really good. This is Tim Peel, former NHL ref and now one of the co-hosts of the Snipes and Stripes podcast with Jeremy Roenick. Um, we talked about Connor McDavid. I know we're two games in tonight. They play Nashville. But should Oiler fans be panicking after the first two games? You know it's a hockey hotbed, and there's a lot expected of the Edmonton Oilers. I find it hard to believe that Drysaddle and McDavid will go their whole career without a Stanley Cup, but <laughs> Who knows? It might not be in Edmonton. You know what? I laughed. Uh, I, I'm a big Evander Kane fan, and and uh, I laughed at his interview. I saw it this morning. The sky's falling. The world's you know collapsing because the Oilers started 0-2. They're going to get there. But my, you know, a lot of people in Canada and a, and a lot of people throughout throughout hockey picked Edmonton to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. I just don't know whether they're good enough defensively. And my major concern, and I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners and yourself included, I'm not sure if they're strong enough in that. And, and it's only two games. Let's give it 10. That gives us a little bit more uh, to look at. But I, I'm not concerned about the team. Can they get to the Stanley Cup Finals? I don't know. It's going to be difficult. Colorado's going to be better this year. 
uh, Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Druin played in, in junior hockey together uh, in Halifax. Jonathan Duane has kind of had a up and down career. He's now reunited with McKinnon, so I think I'm expecting a lot from Colorado this year. I saw Jeremy Roenick on your podcast. Uh, there was a clip I saw where he said he said the Bruins are going to miss the playoffs, and I actually agree with Jr. I think the Bruins will miss the playoffs. Well, I won't make the same bet that I made with Jr. <laughs> he said that he said he bet me a hundred dollars because I told him Boston's going to make the playoffs. And then then he called me crazy, so I upped it to a thousand, and he took the bet. But uh, there's no question in my, my mind that the Boston Bruins are going to make the playoffs. They're they're they they're they're too good defensively. They've got tremendous goaltending. Jimmy Montgomery, coach of the year. I've I've known Monty for 25 years off the ice. He's one of the best young minds in hockey. They still have the talent up front. You look at the playoffs last year. They won at least two games without uh, Patrice Bergeron in the lineup because he was hurt. They still won those games. So are they are they going to have 115 points? No, but I, I'm very uh, positive, uh, very confident that they'll make the playoffs. Okay, so last night the Calgary Flames uh, played in Washington. It was a 3-2 shootout victory. There are two rules in professional sports in the last 30 years that I really like. Two rule changes. I love the fact the CFL moved the point-after attempt back to the 32-yard line, and the NFL adopted that. That takes a nothing play and makes it exciting. The other one, I love three-on-three overtime. I would rather see them add more overtime that way than go to this stupid shootout, especially last night. On your on your Twitter page, you tweeted it. It was like slow motion when Washington scored there. Yeah, I you know, the hockey ops probably isn't happy with me tweeting that out this morning, but I don't think that's what the spirit of the of the the, the shootout uh was when it was first brought into the to the NHL. I get your point on a longer three on three. The only problem is they play eighty two games, they've played sixty minutes, they've now played another five minutes. The, the longer it goes, the, there's more of a chance that a player is going to get injur, injur, injured because guess who's playing the three-on-three, three, the top two lines on, on each team. The third and fourth lines aren't even getting a sniff on the three-on-three. Three. So that means the superstars are being more taxed. They're playing more. They're having more ice time. I don't have a problem with the shootout. I hate it when my home team loses a shootout because you're like, oh, that, that stinks. It's great when you win it. I just don't think the spirit of the rule was that you come in like a, a, a sloth or a centipede and make it so slow because where does it end? Like, you know, he, the next player, does he come in even slower than Kuzi was last night, if, if that's possible? I don't think the league likes it but it's something that they're probably going to have to deal with this year. Yeah, yeah. so how do you change that, though? If you're going to keep the shootout, what would you do there? The only the only thing that you could uh, uh, incorporate is probably a shot clock. And uh, you'd have to look at the average shootout over the last, you know, three, four, five years. Does it take three seconds? Does it take six seconds? Uh, and, 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 you know, that's something that the PA, the league – uh, they'd have to sit down in the summer and say, okay, what, 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 let's think, uh, in, incorporate a shot clock here, and what do we think is a reasonable amount of time to take that shot? All right, this has been Tim Peel. You can check him out on Twitter, at Tim C. Peel with two E's, uh, 20. So at Tim C. Peel 20, and you can check him out, the Snipes and Stripes podcast with Jeremy Roenick. Thanks for your time, Tim. Thanks, Michael. Have a great day.
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Want to congratulate Chad Hoskins. Picked the score, 42-13. He's got the Argos winning, unfortunately, he says. But uh, he's won two tickets, and he'll be going to the game. And then a chance to win a $200 gift card from Sastel. And a chance maybe to watch a game in a suite with three others next year. Let's hear from a guy who's put together two back-to-back games and is inching closer to 1,000 yards, Jamal Morrow. Samuel, I guess, has this been kind of um, a bad case of deja vu over these last few weeks with these losing streaks? Does it feel like the same thing over and over? Actually, I meant Sam Emelis. A little tougher with the kind of the stakes on the line this past week. Uh, I mean, it's tough. You always, it's always tough when you lose a game and you have your chance to, you know, punch your way in, in the playoff. But we're ready to move on and, and we got to do a part, which is to win this weekend. Have you ever, I know you were with the team last year, but before even last year, have you been kind of through something like this where you kind of stumbled, you know, stumbled as long as you guys have? I mean, yeah, in college, um, uh, when I was with UMass, my team was struggling a little bit, but I think it built character at the same time. It, it shows you who, who, who's ready to step up and, 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 and make the plays when it's time to make plays. Maybe talk a little bit more. What do you, in terms of that building character, what are you expecting guys in terms of building character this week? I mean, it's the last game of the season and everything's on the line, so we got to give everything we got and uh, let 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 the let the chip let the chip fall off when it's supposed to to fall off. Do you feel as an offense that you guys you know kind of make strides but just can't finish off drives? Is that the big thing that's kind of holding you guys back? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's always tough to score a touchdown in this league, but obviously we want to finish and and that's what we want to do. But um, but um, I feel like Calgary we had a good we got we had a good um tempo, good energy. Uh, we just got to finish drive, and it would have been a different story if we'd have finished drive at Calgary. You also feel like the lack is there a lack of big plays from you guys as well? Uh, we could say so. Um, I feel like the plays are here. We just got to execute. You know what I'm saying? The the, the coaches go. The coaches gonna make gonna call the play. It's for us to ex- execute. Is the mindset at all different knowing that, you know, Friday, like a game that doesn't matter to you, or I shouldn't say matter to you guys, but that you guys are not playing kind of changes the outlook of your guys' game Saturday with Calgary and BC. It could be a situation Saturday you're playing for your playoffs or you could be playing for your season. I mean, yeah, um, we at first of all, we should not put ourselves in a position, but it is what it is now. That's where we're at. So we're going to obviously pay attention to that game, but we obviously going to focus on Toronto because we got to win. What's it like focusing on a team you're not – you know, with Toronto being so far ahead in first place, how do you prepare for a team that could be coming with different looks? I mean, I think it's a great, a great opportunity for us to just come out and show and show, um, show. Really, we've been on that losing streak, so it really is really, uh, it's really a good game for us to show that hey, we're ready to get get this behind us and just focus on Toronto and and, and show what we can do. You're 40 yards off away from a thousand yard season. What does that mean to you? I mean, it's big, man. Um, coming out of the season, I didn't expect this. Uh, now we're here, and um, that's that's a great individual, uh, 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 I would say, individual um, thing to accomplish. But obviously, I'm focusing on Toronto and and helping the team win. Do you feel like you've established yourself as like a player that's delivered week to week throughout the season? I mean, obviously, um, I came I came this year when they established that I can be a, a starter in this league and, and I can play in this league. So. It come out to the all the offseason work I did, and it's paying off. And I just gotta do this over again for the for the next years. And just talk about I guess growing with your quarterback Jake Dolgal. I guess over, I know you've been with him these last years, but especially over these last six or seven weeks when he's been taking over the role, just growing with your quarterback. I mean, Jay Jay been great. Obviously, we like we've been we've been struggling lately. The all offense is not just him. 
uh, the receiver and the running back and O-line. We all, we all collectively been struggling, but um, JB should been showing some growth. And, uh, and obviously we're just going, trying to get out of that losing skin and, and, um, and obviously build for the playoff push. Do you like the fact you got one more crack at, at home here in Mosaic Stadium? You know, obviously disappointed two weeks ago. Do you like the fact that you get one more chance to play in front of your home fans? I, mean, I, feel, I feel like we play our best when we're at home because we got, you know, we got our fans behind us. We're at home. That's, that's an advantage. So obviously we're going we gonna to lose that game to, to build off, to build off um, uh, uh, coming to the playoff, you know, get that win and, and, build, and build off for the playoff. All right. Thanks, Samuel. No, no problem. Sam Emelis joining our own Blaine Wyland. When we come back, we'll have our uh, Pat chat, and then we'll talk with Glenn Suter and Don Hewitt to wrap up the show. This is the Sports Cage on a Tuesday for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. 532 with the sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Hey, the Calgary Stampeders have suspended Tommy Lee, uh, Tommy Lee Lewis after he didn't return to the team following a recent bye week. Those Stamps will take on the BC Lions on Friday night in Vancouver. Calgary can clinch a playoff berth with win versus BC and a Riders loss against Toronto on Saturday. So hopefully that does not happen. The Texas Rangers lead the American League Championship Series two games to none after hanging on to beat the Houston Astros on Monday night. The American League has the night off. Game one in the National League Championship Series yesterday, the Philadelphia Phillies survived the Diamondback comeback, taking game one, five, three, the final. Game two in the NLCS goes tonight in Philadelphia. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shana Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chats for the Canadian Brew House. All the sports under one roof like NHL hockey and Major League Baseball playoffs, NFL, and we're headed down the backstretch of the Canadian Football League and into the playoffs. So you can get all the action there. Great menu and drink selections and specials galore down there. Canadian Brew House. Two locations, Regina, one in Moose Jaw. The Pats are in Moose Jaw tonight as they take on the Warriors coming off a weekend sweep of Alberta. They beat Calgary and Red Deer and come from behind fashion and held the lead throughout the game against the Lethbridge Hurricanes winning their last contest on home ice by a count of 3-1. to one. So the Pats travel in to Moose Jaw. The Pats are 0-1-1 against the Warriors. Tanner Howe leads this team in scoring 7 goals and 7 assists. Braxton Whitehead next at 5-5. Five and five. Parker Berg, 3 goals, 5 assists for 8 points. Moose Jaw is led by Jagger Furcus. He's got 15 points, including 5 goals. Braden Yeager has 7 goals and 6 assists for 13 points. Our pregame show begins at 6.35, play-by-play with Dante DiCaria, just after 7. This has been Pat Chat. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzing, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, he runs it out of time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations. Check them out 
online at qualitytire.ca. Okay, we're here with Hall of Fame broadcaster and former rider, great Glenn Suter. Uh, Suits, so far the uh, the listeners are with me. I opened the the text line at 936-6262. And when we're talking flag football, uh, as an Olympic sport, nope, nada, shouldn't happen. Well, hold on, hold on. I, I am going to bring the other argument in a couple of different ways. One is, uh, once, you know, they added table tennis, you know, canoeing, skateboarding, surfing, you know, one, one sports like that or recreational activities or, I don't know, fishing, you know, those kind of things are added. Hobbies. Once they're added to the Olympics, then the, the, the door for or the window is closed for criticizing new sports being added. So that, that's, that's one way to look at it. But mm-hmm. here's, here's why this is outstanding. And it's outstanding for Canadian football and football in North America. Because the, you know, I'll give you an example. Canada, Canada soccer sent out financial statements a little while ago. It wasn't official statements, but it was some Twitter from different media outlets suggesting sort of, you know, where financially Canada soccer was. And they had lost around $6 million or just over $6 million of the 33.5 million that they're allotted from the federal government every year for Canada soccer. And, you know, I, I, we're all for it. Apparently it's around 20 million for the men's and around 14 million for the women's. Now that should be equal and it's not, and that's what the women are fighting for, but that's another story. Um, what I'm saying is Football Canada, in comparison, has been receiving from the government around $400,000 a year. So Canada soccer lost $5.8, lost $6.3 million, lost. That's just mismanaged money. That's $5.8 million more than Football Canada even gets mm-hmm. on an annual basis. And, and the, one of the big reasons for that is that there's not very many international events for football in our country so, or, or in the world. So because you have to play tackle football, you have to give a week or you should give at least a week between games there's no way to fit it into an Olympics or a, or a, even a tournament that makes sense. You're looking at two months to get, you know, a full tournament done kind of thing or more. Mm-hmm. So flag football gives an opening to showcase the skill level that's needed in the game, but also a chance for Football Canada to now really press the government, federal government, to get even close. And by the way, Hockey Canada is millions more than Soccer Canada from a government perspective. The government investment into Hockey Canada or investment into Soccer Canada, millions more than what's invested into Football Canada. And now with flag football in the Olympics, that's the international event that is needed to tell the federal government, look, you got to get us at least close to those other sports and that will be so good for every single kid that wants to pick up a football from age six and up and start tossing it around. That much more money invested into football in this country is going to be huge. And that's why this is a great day. Okay. 
I'll buy the second half, but uh, the actual sport I'm not buying. Like I like the sport. I coach the sport. My son played in the sport. I love the sport. It's great. It's great introductory sport. But I, the theory of it. I know table tennis and all that stuff. Uh, we'll agree to disagree. But I like what you're saying on the back half of that. I'll give you that, Glenn. Okay. I got three and a half minutes. I saved this for you. Okay. I saved this one yeah. for you. The Rough Riders. Friday, Calgary plays BC. We're hoping BC wins here so the Riders have a chance to punch their own ticket to the playoffs, even though it'll be a 7-11 and record with a win over Toronto. Who knows who the Argos play? But after that, the Riders are on a bye week, and Coach Craig Dickinson told us he is going to let... He told us in the postgame show he is going to let his guys go home because they've already booked their stuff. I think that's a huge mistake. Suppose the Rough Riders, Calgary doesn't win and the Riders don't win. Then it comes down to what Calgary's doing. To me, the guys pack their stuff. They go home and they've already checked out and now they got to come back. Tommy Lee Lewis just didn't come back from his bye week with Calgary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. The the coach, um, you know, can't really mandate that one way or another. When you have the buy and you've set the schedule, that's the coach's decision. Um, but you can't, you can't really tell grown men, you know, I, I know you have five days off. I don't want you to go anywhere. Um, but if you need a locker room full of guys that understand what's at stake here and would cancel those flights and would say, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the DBs together every single morning of the bye week, and we're going to watch film on the BC Lions or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, whomever it looks like they may face in the playoffs, and we're going to prepare ourselves to upset everybody in the field and make, you know, uh, and and have all those haters and, and people that gave us zero chance to win, we're going to shove it right back in their faces. That's what That's what the locker room should be saying. That's what every single player should be saying. And, you know, it's different when you have a bye in the middle of the year or, you know, the first third of games is played and then you can get away from the game for a bit, see your family, that kind of thing. This scenario where you're kind of just watching that final week that may be whether you're in or out, depending on what happens this weekend. So, you know, I, I think if you don't have a locker room full of players that want to do everything in their power – to prepare themselves for a playoff run, to shut the haters up, then you maybe have the wrong guys in the locker room. We're going to push Don Hewitt to tomorrow. I'm going to use uh, Glenn Suter for one more segment because there's lots to get to. So Don Hewitt will join us tomorrow. Sean, you could text him and tell him we'll use him tomorrow. Glenn, uh, I'm going to I'm going to keep. I brought you in from the bullpen. You've been warming up for a while, so we're going to get you to pitch a couple more innings. Okay. Okay, you got it. Okay, it's Glenn suit or 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 pull a few more flags in the game. This is the Sports Cage at six twenty CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the Sports Cage right here on the mighty six twenty CKRM. Back with Glenn Suter for Quality Tire, second half of the segment. If you are waiting for heroes and zeros from Don Hewitt, legendary broadcaster, we will have him on tomorrow. We are the home of legends. Uh, it's funny, man, uh, speaking to the legendary guy here, Glenn Suter. It's funny, there's a uh, there's a media outlet that was absolutely blowing up the riders that if they don't start Jake Dolagala, they should fire everybody on the offensive side. 
Now the same media outlet is throwing out a question. Should the riders start Mason Fine on Saturday? It goes to the whole thing. If you listen to the media and the fans, soon you'll be sitting with them. So I coach said right here exclusively on the show yesterday that they'd be sticking with Jake Dolagala. He had a team building thing. What do you make of that too? Like coach is just a good man. Coach Craig Dickinson is a good person. What I like about him in this industry, uh, Glenn, you've been on both sides of it in the media and on the field. He is just a straight up guy. Whatever he tells you you can take to the bank I think and uh, you know he took the guys bowling he got he got in trouble for for them you know fans are mad because he took them bowling I think he's trying in fairness to him I think he's trying everything to pull out the whatever he can to get this team over the hump yeah and I, I think a lot of the media outlets are sort of trying to be a little bit sarcastic with that idea about bowling but it's it's not what you're doing it's that you're doing it together and that you're keeping the group together, that you're trying to get each other to know, even if there's only a week or two to go before the playoff game, you know, get to know the guy you play beside just a little bit more. Because when you do, you're going to, you know, be that much more invested because you don't want to let him down. That is what will motivate better than anything, to be a great teammate. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, he is a good man, and he is a good football guy. I disagree with some of his decisions in the last game, but that's okay. That's, you know, there's reasons that you make choices, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And when you're in pro football, when they don't, you are criticized. Yeah. That goes with the territory, and he knows that. But listen, they are they are a, he is a good man and a good coach and very open and honest. Like, for instance, when I heard on the show, and I've been listening all day, which I often do, even if I'm not on my Nice, thanks. But, um, but you know, I, I heard him today mention about Tevin Jones, and you guys have, you know, asked, you know, we're not seeing him as much on the field. And he said, you know, that he's a favorite player, and we shouldn't criticize the coach for his honesty when he goes, but, you know, Tevin also has to get himself in the playbook a little more. And I'm paraphrasing. But... Uh, that that's my concern. Well, we're in week we're in week twenty. Yeah, and and, and l- let me pick let me piggyback that. And you can continue that that troubles me. And when coach at the end, like we are going into the last week of the season or the last two weeks of the season, and he's he, he said we're trying to find out who we are. You're you're trying to find out who you are. With two weeks to go in the season, and we've been going at this since May? I know they've had injuries. I, and listen, I, I don't care what anybody says. You need elite quarterbacking to win championships nine times out of ten. For every Trent Dilfer, there's a Tom Brady and a Joe Montana. For every Marcus yep. Crandall, there is a Zach Kalaros or a, a Tracy M or a Matt Dunnigan or a Ken Austin, okay? So it can happen, but it doesn't happen very often. So the rider season got derailed really, really early. So I, you got to put an asterisk by all of this, I think. But... To not know what you are with two weeks to go, sometimes his honesty is, <laughs> it, it, it kills him. Well, I, and, it, and it, it opens him up for criticism, and, and I think it's honorable, and I'm glad that he does it, because he's trying to tell the fans what the truth is and what he's dealing with and what he's trying to mm-hmm. fix. 
I mean, and let's give him credit where credit's due. He changed the penalty issue they had last year. Yes, last he did. Last year, it cost them games. He fixed that this year with some of his different approaches. There's a lot of things that he's done well, a lot of in-game decisions that he's made very well. Um, and, you know, I, again, it's not up to Coach Dickinson to make sure Tevin Jones understands the playbook in Week 20. And, I, and I'm not blaming Tevin Jones for the issues here, but if he's not playing as many reps in a game because the coach is forced to do this, let's put the responsibility where it should be. That's not the coach's job. At this point in the season, he can't make a change there. He can't throw a rookie in and just say, well, we'll go with this guy because our other guys doesn't know the playbook. Like, Mm. you know, honestly, that's what I mean about the bye week question, too. If you're Tevin Jones and you're traveling, again, we're picking on him, but it's it's what we're talking. It's what it's out there. If you're if you're traveling in the bye week to go to you see your family and whatever, you're not preparing yourself for the game. So I, I just you know I, I well I the scenario I see suits is this: they go home, okay. They're they're allowed to under the CFLPA, like you said. The coach can't stop them. But you go home. You're sitting on your couch, you're eating your Cheetos, you're watching Netflix with your girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. You don't, maybe you don't even know you have a playoff spot yet. Let's, let's go with what's happening. Maybe the Riders lose out and they've lost seven in a row, but Calgary in this, uh, both teams look like they stumbled out of Willie Nelson's tour bus. Let's be honest. Nobody's there stumbling around. We don't know if we got the spot. We don't know if you've got the spot. You go home. You don't know that you got the spot. You're relaxing, getting all fat and sassy. Then all of a sudden, you got to come back and get in. Not just football mode, playoff football mode. Yeah, no, but here, yeah, here's, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, and even if you're, let's say you're going home, and I'll paint a little bit different picture, but let's say you're going home with film on your iPad, and you're going to watch film at home, and you're around your you know, your girlfriend or your whatever, your family. and your, But it, it takes you out of the atmosphere. And could you prepare better in a bye week? The bye week at the end of the season is an advantage for a playoff team because it gives you a chance to, with your teammates, prepare mentally for the biggest game of your pro career. Because you got a playoff game. That playoff game can lead to a championship. And once you win a championship, that never goes away. You will always be considered a champion, especially in that market. Uh, so if you, don't, if you don't have that sense of the opportunity that's ahead of you and prepare the best you can every single minute of every day leading up to it, well, then you're, you're in the wrong business. I got a text from Hal at 936-6262. Glennon Ballsy, I'm very concerned about the play of Anthony Lanier II. Three tackles, zero sacks, and a roughing the passer penalty in eight quarters of football. It's time he starts earning his salary as the highest paid defensive player in the league. Um, now, I thought he, I, I think he's been at times misused. He was an all-star in the interior of the D-line, and he owned Zach Williams and the interior of that Calgary D-line in that game. He was a force. Um, so I think some of it is he's just been out of out of sorts, uh, you know, in terms of they put him somewhere else to try to maybe make the D-line the best overall. But uh, just your thoughts on the play of Anthony Lanier the second? Yeah, he's got to play better. I mean, you know, uh, I thought effort-wise and their defense, played outstanding in Calgary. 
Like, that was an effort that can get you there. You know, with a few plays made in the end of the game, it can get you there. Like, their their effort wasn't in question in Calgary in their final week. In fact, I thought, you know, okay, they're, they're getting it. But this is the problem when you hit the, the switch, when you're trying to do that, hit the switch football. Well, now it's important, so now we're going to hit the switch. Well, now you're in trouble. And Anthony Lanier is one of those guys. He's got to be better. He's got to be dominant. Yeah. And it has nothing to do to – me, to me, Michael, it has nothing to do with his salary. I mean – Salary is off-season stuff, and whatever the guy, whatever your check says, good for you. Get what you can, get as much as you can, and whatever business you're in, mm. I'm all for all that. Mm. What I'm talking about, if you want to be a champion in your sport, then you better be the best you can be every day, and it's 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 not negotiable. If you can't hit a switch, you can't take days off. If you have a bye before a playoff run, you better be studying every day to prepare because that's your edge. You've got another week ahead of the team you're going to play. Yeah. That's, that's your edge. Well, now, if it's BC, they have some bye as well, yeah. I think. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You, you, you've got to have guys that are going to be in there with the urgency, like their life depends on it because – opportunities to win a championship opportunities in the playoffs do not come around every year no they don't absolutely take advantage of it no absolutely not and we uh we know that around here for sure um so glenn this is something that that struck me and we can get into some of the other stuff on thursday but coach craig dickinson never ever gives up two points he doesn't like to do it he doesn't like giving up the points and then giving the other team the ball back he did that in that game, and at the time I was like, "Oh, I don't. It's not a bad decision," but actually it was because what happened was it was a five-point swing at the end of the half, and the uh, and, and and you know Calgary's back in it a bit with a little flickering hope. I, I don't know if I like that two-point uh, uh, safety in hindsight. Yeah, I, I didn't at all. I, I said it on the air, and you know, again, uh, as we mentioned earlier. Coach Dickinson has done some great things with this team, and um, we're allowed to disagree. Uh, you know, I've earned it, you've earned it, the fans have earned it, and they can disagree with the coach. And that's and you know, when you're in pro football and and you make decisions that don't work out, you're going to be criticized for them even more. I like I like to try to to give my opinion before the outcome of the play. Because then you're not second-guessing a coach. You're actually just giving your opinion as it's happening in real time. And that's what I did in that case. I, I hated the decision. Mm-hmm. Because now you kick, you're kicking off from the 20. And I'm, I'm not sure what year that rule changed. But it, it wasn't too long ago that they moved it back. So, so now you give up a safety. You're kicking off at the 20. You're almost in the same field position anyway. Unless you're standing deep in the end zone. Like the ball is on the one-yard line. And you've got to stand 20 yards into the end zone then you might as well give it up there. But, uh, you know, I believe they were, what, five yards deep or something. So I I hated that decision. You know, I, I hated the decision uh, with three minutes to go to not punt the ball and go for it on third and four. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the, the, it was it was 13-nothing, and the defense had shut down Calgary's offense, shut it down in the first two or three, three or four series. 
and he gave them two points, and I, I guarantee you that gave them a little lift. It gave them some life, and they ended up with five before the half, and it was a one-possession game. Mm-hmm. Hey, Thursday we're going to have you on. We might have your uh, teammate Jeff Farrell in studio, and uh, we might be able to talk about this. When opportunity knocks, you have to answer. Trevor Lawrence has a big old left knee brace on his knee. He was at practice today. He's optimistic about playing Thursday, but it might mean the uh, the season debut of Nathan Rourke as a backup quarterback, and all you need is a chip, a chair, and a chance, especially for that kid. So that'll be the Thursday night, or maybe we'll have more information then. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. That's Glenn Suter for Quality Tire. Nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. We got uh, Don Hewitt tomorrow. We'll have Waldo's Warriors. We'll ask him what's going on with the Huskies. They lost twice to Alberta, and somehow they're ahead of them in the U Sports football rankings. Talk about a farce. That's, as as Donald Trump would say, fake news, fake news. We'll have our uh, show up for, uh, in podcast form. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries here on 620 CKRM.